0: Welcome to another episode of the Looking Forward, Reaching Back podcast, brought to you by the Good Success Group. We are grateful to God for your presence, participation, and partnership. And now, here is Reverend Greer.
1: Before we get into the Word of God, let us have a brief moment of prayer. We thank you for uh, keeping us in the way that you have made provision for us uh, down through the years, God. We just thank you for everything that you're going to do with us for us and through us today. We thank you for the Word of God that we're about to study together. Uh, Let it build us up so that we can go out and continue to build up each other. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Acts
0: chapter 1, verses 3 through 8 from the New International Version. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of forty days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is God's Word for God's people.
1: Coming from this first chapter in the book of Acts, we want to speak from the subject today, Stay, Wait, Power. Stay, Wait, Power. As always, we'll give a little background information into the text that we're coming from. The book of Acts opens with the reminder Luke, the beloved physician had written previously to Theophilus, a writing that we have come to know as the gospel according to Luke. In the last verses of that gospel, Luke had told Theophilus that immediately prior to his ascension, the Lord Jesus had promised his disciples that they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, Luke is going to continue that narrative. So he goes back to this thrilling promise as a starting point, and it is very fitting that he should do so, because in that promise of the spirit lay concealed in seed form all of the spiritual triumphs that we will see unfold in the book of Acts. Because while this book is called the book of the acts of the apostles, it really is about the acts of the Holy Spirit Luke describes his gospel as the former account or the first book. In it, he had recorded the things that Jesus had begun both to do and to teach. In Acts, he carries on the record by recounting the things that Jesus continued to do and teach through the Holy Spirit after his ascension. Luke wants to make sure that his readers notice that the Lord's earthly ministry was one of both doing and teaching. It was not doctrine without duty. It was not creed without conduct. The Savior was the living embodiment of all that he taught. In other words, he practiced what he preached. Amen. Theophilus would remember that Luke's previous book ended with the account of the Savior's ascension, here described as being taken up. He would also recall the tender last instructions that the Lord had given his 11 disciples before he returned to his father in heaven. And that's where we pick up the narrative today, starting in verse 3 of chapter 1. We are told that during the 40 days between his resurrection and ascension, the Lord had appeared to his disciples many times, offering them the strongest possible proofs of his bodily resurrection. Remember, in our recent Compelled Sermon series, we explored some of the ways that Jesus aimed to compel his disciples to truly believe so that they will become his witnesses. Amen. Amen. And this ideal of being the witnesses of Christ is a key motif in the book of Acts. And we'll come back to that in a few minutes. But also during this time, Jesus discussed with them the affairs of the kingdom of God. His primary concern was not with the kingdoms of this world, but with the realm where God is acknowledged as King, capital K. Now, to be sure, the kingdom is not to be confused with the church. The Lord Jesus offered himself to the nation of Israel as king, but was rejected by them. His literal kingdom on earth was therefore postponed until Israel repents and receives him as king. And that's going to happen one day, my friends. But at this present time, King Jesus does have an invisible church on this earth and it is made up of all who profess allegiance to him. The church is something entirely new, and it was not the subject of the Old Testament prophecy. It is composed of all believers from Pentecost unto the rapture. As the bride of Christ, the church will reign with him in the millennium and share in his glory forever. Christ the King will return at the end of the great tribulation, destroy his foes, and set up his reign of righteousness over the whole earth. Although his reign from Jerusalem will last for only 1,000 years, the kingdom is everlasting in the sense that all of God's enemies will have finally been destroyed, and he will reign eternally in heaven without opposition or hindrance. In verse 4, Luke now relates a meeting of the Lord with his disciples, As they assembled together in the room in Jerusalem, the risen redeemer commanded them to remain in Jerusalem. Now they may have wondered why Jerusalem of all of the places that you could have chosen Jesus, why do we have to stay in this place? To them, this was a city of hatred, of violence and persecution. And yet this is the place where Jesus commands for them to stay. He commands them to stay here because there was more works of God to be done. Yes, indeed, the fulfillment of the promise of the Father would occur in Jerusalem. The coming of the Holy Spirit would take place in this very city where the Savior had been crucified. In this same city, the presence of the Holy Spirit would bear testimony to human's rejection of the Son of God. The Spirit of truth would reprove the world of sin righteousness, and judgment. And this would take place first in Jerusalem. And the disciples would receive the Holy Spirit in the very city where they themselves have forsaken the Lord Jesus and fled in efforts to save their own lives. In other words, they would be made strong and fearless in the same place where they had shown themselves to be weak and cowardly. Sometimes we think we got to move around and go somewhere else different for things to get better, for God to empower us and to use us. But oftentimes God is saying, Nope, stay right there. Same place where you fell, the same place where you messed up, that's the same place where I'm about to empower you and elevate you. Amen. This is why they are told to stay. Now, to be sure, this was not the first time that the disciples had heard about the promise of the father from the lips of the savior. Throughout his earthly ministry, and especially in his upper room discourse, he had told them that the helper would come. Now, in his last earthly meeting with them, he repeats the promise and talks about the gift that is on the way. Even before Jesus had disciples to pass along this information from his father to, John the Baptist had also preached about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And some, if not all of them, had already been baptized by John with water. But John's baptism was only outward and physical. That baptism identified them outwardly with the repentant portion of the nation of Israel. But soon and very soon, they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit and this baptism would be inward and spiritual. The second baptism would incorporate them into the church, the body of Christ, and would empower them for service. Amen. How many know you can't serve until you've been empowered? In verse 5, Jesus promised that they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. Now, we know that the day of Pentecost takes place 10 days later than when Jesus made this promise. And I think it's because they had already heard about the coming of the Holy Spirit uh, in times past that they didn't further question Jesus at this point, specifically about the coming of the Holy Spirit. They received that promise. I believe they believed that promise. But in verse six, we see the disciples have been thinking about and likely talking to each other about other future events. Namely, they remembered that the prophet Joel spoke of the outpouring of the spirit in connection with the Messiah's glorious reign, right? And so, like their other countrymen, they were looking forward to the deliverance of the people of Israel from foreign domination and for the establishment of an earthly kingdom from the Messiah. And so it seems that this reference to the coming of the Holy Spirit had caused them to wonder if this new age was about to dawn, right? They're tired of of living under religious persecution. They therefore assumed and concluded that the Lord would set up his kingdom on earth soon since he had first said that the spirit will be given not many days from now. Their question revealed that they still expected Jesus to set up his literal kingdom on earth immediately. Now, it's interesting that in verse seven, the Lord did not correct them for they're expecting his literal reign on earth. After all, such a hope is and was justified. It is going to happen. Instead, he simply told them that they could not know the day or the time when that would come. It wasn't permissible for them to know. Although the date had been fixed by the Father's sole authority, He had chosen not to reveal it to them at this time. It was information that belonged exclusively to God the Father. And so, this expression we see times or seasons in the Bible is often used to refer to various events foretold by God that are yet to come to pass in connection with the nation of Israel. Being of Jewish heritage, the disciples would understand this expression here to refer to the crucial days prior to and including the establishment of Christ's thousand year reign on earth. Having suppressed their curiosity as to the future date of his kingdom, the Lord Jesus now directs their attention to something more immediate, namely the nature and the scope of their upcoming mission that he's about to send them on. As to the nature, they were to be his witnesses, starting in Jerusalem, Again, that's the very place, the very city where our Lord was crucified and was first to receive the call to repentance and faith in him, Jerusalem. From there, they were to be his witnesses in all of Judea and Samaria, and then on to the ends of the earth. In other words, the disciples were to be concerned with global evangelism and discipleship. And if you're looking at the book of Acts, you will see that This commission of Jesus provides an outline to the ministry movement in the book of Acts. As commanded, the apostles do go on to become witnesses in Jerusalem. You can see that in chapters 1 through 7. They witness throughout all of Judea and Samaria in chapters 8 through 12. And then to the distant parts of the earth in chapters 13 through 28. They do exactly what Jesus said. And I don't know about you, but that is an awesome testimony that all of us should strive to have, especially as it relates to our witness about Jesus Christ. Amen. The Great Commission still applies to us today. Since the promise underlying it, the Holy Spirit still applies as well. We are still compelled and expected to be Jesus's witnesses throughout all of the earth. Amen. And we thank God even now during a global pandemic, how we've been able to take and use the technology to be able to continue this call uh, to be global witnesses for Jesus Christ, amen? So wherever you are watching from today, we thank God and praise God for you. And we invite you to share this message with somebody else today. Share this link with somebody, and that's the way you can participate in being a global witness for Jesus Christ, amen? However, before the disciples would be witnesses, they had to first receive power, right? That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And just like those early believers, this power is the source of any and all success in our Christian witness, right? Because a person may be highly talented and educated and trained and equipped. They might even be very well experienced, but without the power of the Holy Spirit, they will ultimately falter and be ineffective in their witness. Amen. On the other hand, a person may be. Not as talented, not as educated, right? Maybe not as attractive. They might be unrefined around the edges, right? But if they have the empowering presence, right? If they are charged by the Holy Spirit, guess what? The world can be changed, challenged, and comforted through their witness of Jesus Christ unto the glory of God, amen? And so if these disciples were gonna have any chance of being effective, they had to be empowered. They had to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way they could go from being these fearful and doubting disciples, right, into becoming these powerful witnesses uh, and being Holy Ghost bold witnesses for the preaching of the gospel. So Jesus promises them and reassures them that they will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. But guess what first? They had to stay and they had to wait. We've already established that the disciples had to stay in Jerusalem. That was the physical location but what are they supposed to do in this place? The text says they are supposed to wait. And so let's talk for a few minutes about what that waiting period looked like for them and what it should look like for us today. When we see the disciples in any scene in the book of Acts and in some of the gospels as well, what we see them doing, especially during this time period after Jesus' uh, death and resurrection, they're gathered together and they are talking about the promise. They're talking about what they have been told, right? And so we see them doing this through prayer and we see them talking with each other. Prayer is a huge motif in the life of these early believers. Almost everywhere you look in the book of Acts, you see folks praying before they act, before they try to preach, before they try to do anything, right? We see them praying and we see God answering those prayers faithfully throughout the Book of Acts, amen? And so that's the question for us today. Are we praying or are we just trying to be busy? I know Nike said, just do it, but that's not the mandate. That's not the, the model of example that we've been left on record. We don't just go out and do stuff, right? We we, we we pray, we put God first. And so that's why we have often messed things up is because we just go out there and try to do it on our own power and with our own uh, mind and, and, and ability. But before we set out to do anything, especially for Jesus Christ, we need to pray. Amen. So during your waiting season, make sure that you don't stop talking about the promise. Talk about the promise to other believers. Talk about the promise to God during your prayer time. Talk about the promise. Amen. Then next, look for the promise. Expect it every single day. Jesus said that it would be coming within the next few days. He said it was going to be a short period of time. Any day now, essentially. Expect what God said is going to happen. It would make sense that the disciples would be on the lookout for the promise, right? I know during that scene of the ascension that's coming up in a few verses after our chosen text today, we see them looking up as Jesus is taken uh, away and taken up into heaven. But maybe they were looking and waiting for that promise to drop too. We don't know exactly what they were still standing there looking for or looking at when Jesus had disappeared from their view but they were looking. Maybe they were looking for the promise. I don't know, but I believe that watching was a part of their waiting, fully believing, fully trusting, not doubting of that the promise would show up just as Jesus said, just as his father had promised, right? They were looking with this great expectation even more than we look for a package that we're expecting from Amazon, all right? Maybe we ordered Jimmy John's for lunch, and you're expecting that food delivery, and you start looking for it. Not because you don't think they are coming, but you're looking because you believe that they are coming. You know that you placed that order, you paid for it, and you know that they are on their way, and you know Jimmy John's usually gets here pretty quickly, and so you're looking because you want to get what you got coming to you, amen? I think during this pandemic, we've used Amazon probably more than ever before, and Uh, That even includes orders for Gabriella, And so she even knows to watch and to wait. Uh, And she talks about the promise. If dad or mom said they're going to get her something and we ordered it, she believes it's coming. And so she can't go to the mailbox yet by herself, but she will definitely ask you to go and check because she's trusting and believing that what you said is going to happen. And we got to have at least that much same faith in what God has promised us. If he said it's coming, start looking for it, right? Talk about it and then start looking for it, expect it, amen? And remember this, waiting is not passive. Waiting is not passive. Leading up to the Pentecost moment that comes a few days later, the text tells us that the believers were gathered together and they were praying in unity, amen? And so that applies to us today too. Every time we gather for service, whether that's online or in person, whether we're talking about Bible study or church school, uh, prayer service, whenever we gather, That's a part of our waiting process, amen? We're not just sitting around. We're not just uh, twirling our thumbs. We are busy. Anytime that you, uh, 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 you know, render service unto the Lord, maybe you like going down and serving uh, at the food bank or something like that. That's a part of your waiting process, amen? It's active. Every time you open your mouth to witness for Jesus, that's a part of your waiting season, amen? And then lastly, I would say, uh, be ready to receive it right? Make room to receive what God has promised you. Make room in your heart. Make room in your mind. Make room in your life. Make room in your emotions. Make room. Get ready. And once you get ready, stay ready. Amen? Stay ready. Now, I know we do this in the natural realm as well. Uh, If we are expecting to receive maybe some new furniture, we make sure that we make room to receive it, right? Sometimes That means we got to take some doors off the hinges because what's coming in is bigger than what we already had in here. And so you got to make room even by taking the doors off the hinges to be able to fit it into the house sometimes, right? Or maybe you have to make room by getting rid of some of the old stuff. That old couch has to go because you got something new coming in. That old TV has to come down off that mount, And you want to get it down even before the people get there with the new TV, amen? but we gladly do this in anticipation of the new and promised thing that is soon to come, right? We do that in the natural sense. And so I'm just saying today we have to do at least that same thing in the spiritual realm, get rid of some stuff, let some stuff go. I I like Gabriella's attitude lately here. Uh, She's been having this attitude of uh, of wanting to uh, donate some stuff, right? We told her she was going to get this thing or that thing. And then she said, Okay, mom or dad, I'll I'll, I'll be willing to donate this, that or the other uh, to make room. She's trying to make room for what she has coming. Amen. And so we've tried to encourage her that even in her young age, you know, to to donate, get rid of some stuff, share some stuff with somebody else uh, as you continue to get more stuff all the time. Amen. She continues to receive promise. She continues to make room for promises. Amen. We make promises. We keep promises. And so you got to make room to receive the promises. God makes promises, God keeps promises. And so we gotta make room to receive the promises, amen? Family, the disciples followed the instructions of Jesus. They stayed, they waited actively, and as a result, they received the promise. They received power, amen? And that is an important word for us today, received. They did not have to go out and seek the power. They didn't have to go out and pursue the power. They didn't have to go out and try to take power from somebody. They received power from the only one who has all power. Amen. That's what they did. And see, oftentimes we get that twisted. Christians and non believers alike, sometimes we will do any and everything to try to assume power, right? In, in, in ways of trying to appear to be powerful. That's what we try to do. When all we had to do was follow the instructions of Jesus to stay where he placed us and to get busy waiting for the true power to be given to us from above, amen? We don't have to try to snatch anything down here. All of our power comes from above, amen? Friends, remember, if God promised it to you, whatever it is, you can fill in the blank, it's going to happen as God promised it. Not the way that you think it should happen, not on any timeline set by your friends or family or somebody like that. It's going to happen when God says it's going to happen as God says is going to happen, amen? And so let today's passage encourage you to stay and to wait so that you can receive God's promise, which always comes with God's power, amen? God bless you. Maybe someone is watching or listening to this broadcast today, and you have yet to get connected to the power that Jesus talked about as a gift and a promise from his father. But you have decided that today is the day that you are going to respond to Jesus knocking on your heart and you are going to open that door and let him in and you are going to start a relationship with him right now. Are you ready to have your own personal encounter with the risen Lord Jesus? And are you ready and willing to be his witness throughout all of the earth, right? Are you willing to tell everybody that Jesus saves because he saved you? And if that is you today, right there, wherever you are, I want you to pray with us. Let us turn our hearts to prayer. Lord Jesus, for far too long, I have kept you out of my life. I acknowledge that I am a sinner and that I cannot save myself. No longer will I close the door when I hear you knocking. By faith, I receive your gift of salvation and am ready to trust you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming to earth. I believe you are the Son of God who died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead on the third day. Thank you for bearing my sins and giving me the gift of eternal life. I believe your words are true. Come into my heart now, Lord Jesus, and be my savior forever, amen.
0: The Good Success Group would like to thank you for listening to and sharing this episode of the Looking Forward, Reaching Back podcast. If you have not already done so, please consider subscribing to this podcast so you can be notified of any future programming. And to sponsor future episodes of the Looking Forward, Reaching Back podcast, please click on the support button or connect with us via Cash App or PayPal. The information to do so is listed under the description for this episode. We thank you so much for your support.